Hello there, this is Jason Dees, and this is the Think Through It podcast. Think Through It exists to help people think through the big questions of life and culture. On the Think Through It podcast, we'll be talking with friends, cultural influencers, and forward thinkers about the things that all of us need to be thinking about. Today, I'm going to be talking with Greg and Ann Kerr. Greg and Ann have a great ministry called True North Freedom Project, which is aimed at helping Christians talk about sex in a healthy and biblical way. But as we'll see in today's podcast, just as their ministry was getting off the ground, they had to deal with some sexual sin that had been plaguing their own family. You know, God is using True North Freedom Project, and I'm really glad to be connected with them. The sexual perversion of our culture has been eating away at families and the society at large for many years now, but it has also done great damage to the church. Today's is a conversation of healing, but I think it will also be very helpful for us in thinking through God's true design for sex. So thanks for joining us today as we think through it. Well, it's it's great that Anne and Greg, you've come in today. I'm so curious, and I know our listeners are, about your ministry, True North. Uh, so I'm sure that you can explain it better than, than I did in the introduction. What are the what is the mission? What are the objectives of True North? Well, our mission is to promote sexual honesty and integrity that leads to authentic relationships and spiritual growth. And so what that means is sharing honestly about sexuality and sex the way God designed it, um, helping people to walk in integrity, to have li- lives that kind of line up with what they believe, you know, what God says about them, especially for Christians. And then uh, that leads to authentic relationships and spiritual growth because just, you know, the reality is sexual struggle, sexual sin, sexual shame, these are all things that can inhibit authenticity and spiritual growth. So we're really, at the end of the day, we're really trying to help, especially Christians, because God is the designer of sex and sexuality. We're, we're trying to equip Christians to have better conversations about it. it it's It seems that today either Christians... Uh, are ashamed or fearful to have uh, conversations uh, about sexuality and sex, or uh, they're uh, afraid of the cultural revolution, uh, the sexual revolution, and are kind of unwilling to uh, either cross that or are confused on that. So I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I mean, it feels like you're trying to kind of bust through both of those barriers and say, no, this is God's design. It is good. We obviously live in an era, in a time where there's massive confusion here, massive sin here. Let's at least get the church talking about these things so that we can honestly and humbly go to Christ for healing and go to Christ for help. I mean, is that a, a good way yeah. to say it? Yeah. I mean, God's glory is uh, is kind of out there, you know, and um, we we have the opportunity to really find him through the struggles related to sexuality. And you're right, there's a lot of silence in the churches today. There's a lot of silence in homes today about sexuality, but the stakes are just so high right now. We talked um, you know, earlier about just how um, really our faith is at stake. The faith of our children even is at stake over all of this. It's so easy to get off track. So yeah, we're just trying to help people come back to the truth learn how to talk about it honestly and even the struggles related to it so that people can find true freedom and walk close more closely with Jesus. How did you get this idea? I mean, you know, were you just like sitting around one day and <laughs> said, okay, 
how could I change the world? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start this. I mean, what, where did this, where was this idea birthed and yeah. uh, how did it develop? Well, I will say I have prayed a pretty dangerous prayer for a long time, and that is God break my heart for the things that break your heart. And I had the best job in the world for 23 years. I was able to stay home and raise our children. Absolutely loved that job. And when our youngest left for college, I was just kind of asking God, okay, well, what do you have for me now? I'm not really, you know, a tennis or bridge player. And um, I, I knew I wanted to do something, but just didn't know what it was. And our youngest child came home from college that first semester, and she was writing a paper on human trafficking. This was about nine years ago, and it wasn't in the news like it is today. I had never really heard of that before. So I began researching it. And pretty quickly got involved with some organizations in Atlanta that were do. I was doing volunteer work for them, not for Sale Georgia mainly. And then I began working for an, an organization called Out of Darkness. I was their first executive director, and we were helping women get out of prostitution in Atlanta. And it was exciting, and it was horrifying all at the yeah. same time. And there was just so much brokenness in these women. And I realized that recovery was so hard and long and expensive and there was no way we would ever end sex trafficking by just helping women get out of it we had to go upstream and do something um, to really impact it there to impact demand for sex trafficking and pornography is kind of the gateway to all of that we have a very long vision we're uh, we're kind of a covert anti-trafficking organization and that you're not going to find a lot about trafficking on our website but that's intentional because the very people we're trying to reach we might turn away by focusing in on that too much but, um, but we know that the buyers of tomorrow are growing up in homes today. And we know that if we can impact Christians, especially, to teach godly sexuality, uh, the value of human life, every single person is made in the image of God and is worthy of our, our respect, our love, our care. We would never objectify or use someone who is made in the image of God. And um, so all of that goes, you know, just right against pornography. Pornography just objectifies, it uses people, it um, it isolates people, it's sinful, it's shameful. So yeah, we're, we're trying to get to the head of the snake, basically. Well, I'm so glad you weren't any good at bridge, because I think this is uh, <laughs> such a noble uh, and worthy, obviously, way to spend your time. So you, you had a vision, we got to get upstream of where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if we're going to put this fire out, we've got to stop gas from being poured onto it on the other side. Right. So you had a vision for what you're trying to do. Let's promote these healthy conversations. How did the ministry get started? Were there any bumps uh, along the way, any kind of hurdles to get through? Um, you know, Greg, how did this impact kind of y'all's family as the ministry uh, got started? Well, Greg and I were having um, conversations about all of this. I, w- I wasn't going to do it without his blessing. It, it was a real step of faith. I had no desire to start a nonprofit, but we looked around and we really couldn't see anybody who was doing anything like this. So I began praying about it. Greg did give his blessing over this. I have a big family, grew up in Marietta, and I, so we invited my brothers and sisters over to hear about True North. I wanted them to hear about it from me first. and. One of my brothers shared with us that night that he had had a a struggle with pornography, and he was really glad to hear what I was going to be doing to help the church, you know, become better equipped to talk about these things. And I I didn't know that about my brother, though. He was walking free of it, had been walking free for a while. In fact, he went through a program called Walking Free. But as he left that night, I I just, I turned to Greg and I, I said, did you know that 
about my brother and, and he said no did you and I said no and and I think the Holy Spirit just prompted me in that moment and I said what about you have you struggled with pornography and I really thought that the answer was no I mean this is my best friend we'd been married 28 years at that point had a great had a great marriage just an amazing friendship and marriage and Greg um, a man of honor a, a real man of integrity um, in my eyes and I, I just honestly didn't think that it was a struggle for him but I found out that night that it actually had been a struggle for him. So tell me about that struggle, Greg, and what did that night feel like for you? And, you know, how, how did the struggle manifest itself? And then where, where did you go from there? You know, as difficult as it was to hear, um, to hear that question, it was, it was an incredible relief because I had really struggled with pornography most of my adult life. And probably for the past seven or eight years had really been addicted to pornography where it was just totally immersed in it overwhelmed by it you know Ann was she would leave the house to to go rescue prostitutes and I was home using porn mm. and it was uh, it was pretty ironic um, so it, again it was difficult to hear the question but I was glad that she had asked what what she didn't know was about three months earlier um, God had really gotten my attention. After so much struggle, so much prayer, Lord, please help me, please deliver me, please tell me what to do. I, I can't take this anymore. The, the burden of uh, sort of being immersed in this sin is just overwhelming. It's just touching every part of my life. And so about three months earlier, God had gotten my attention and uh, had really used a, a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret and uh, it wasn't really the book itself as much as it was a couple of quotes at the beginning of the book uh, by E.M. Bounds. And it just talked about men being men of prayer, men that the Holy Spirit could truly use. Um, and that just, I, don't, I can't really explain it, but God used that and just immediately and totally delivered me from really a desire to look at pornography. Um, the next morning... So you, you had... Bit when she asked the question, you had been free for three months due to that's this right kind of encounter with the Lord through Ian Bounds. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, that is an amazing story. I mean, that is uh, you know it do, it doesn't really the, work that the way. The timing is incredible. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Usually, the the story is is one of one of struggle, one of deliverance, falling back. Right constant struggle back and forth back and forth it takes you know years and years god was really merciful and truly uh, truly delivered me so that started um when he when he first delivered me that started a time of getting up every morning and just really needing the word of god just as as i needed breath i had to mm -hmm. read his word and the cool thing was that i was beginning to really understand his word i was really beginning to encounter him not just reading about him but understanding who he was and really seeing him you know seeing seeing his face um so i spent about three months and i was constantly praying to god i need to tell ann i know i need to tell her but you, and i'll tell her <laughs> lord you just tell me when the right time yeah, is. yeah i need the right time and so i spent um i just started a time of what i call um revealing revelation really a time of confession to God you know telling him those things that he already knew but I just felt like I needed to go through it I needed to just lay it all out there 
you know, I, w- I wasn't telling anyone else. I wasn't telling Ann yet, but I needed to tell God. And along with that, that sense of revealing, of confession, there was a lot, a lot of repentance. So it was just a back and forth of confessing and repenting and confessing and repenting and knowing and, that. And I, all the while in this, she's kind of forming this ministry, right? I mean, y'all are having the discussions during this three-month season about her starting True North. I'm assuming those timelines match up. I mean, is that... That's right. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. And actually, I noticed a huge difference in Greg in these three months, and I didn't know what it was. I saw him getting up every single morning at 5 o'clock and going off by himself in a room, and I knew he was in the Word of God because he would come back and share things with me. Right, yeah. And it, it was suddenly became really clear that God was speaking to him. It was like his spiritual eyes were open, and I had prayed for this kind of man for a long time. He knew he needed to become the kind of man that God could really use. Yeah. It's interesting, the particular... Quote, I don't know if you're going to share it, Greg, but I've got it right here. You know, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better or new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. And... Um, yeah, it's 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 just it is so cool hearing uh, what the Lord was about to do, wanted to do in y'all's life, and then how the Lord just kind of gave you that uh, message uh, to to ready your heart for that. Um, but obviously, right. this was a devastating confession, and and so kind yeah, of talk yeah, me was. through Greg and I mean, how have y'all sought together? healing from this what did this feel like for you and well let's answer that and then i've got a follow-up so i mean how Mm -hmm. what were your steps once you told her you know the night that greg confessed to me he cried a lot of tears he was very remorseful he was very sad that he had disappointed me i also realized that he had been very afraid to talk with me about this all those years and this was my best friend who had been in a very dark place For whatever reason, I didn't cry tears that night. I cried a lot of them later, but God gave me a lot of grace and compassion that night. I really sensed the Holy Spirit saying when we went to sit down to talk, I sensed God saying, just listen to Greg and trust me. And so I did. And uh, he talked for probably 20 minutes that that first night before I ever asked a question. And I had a lot of questions. You know, it it was a stark revelation. I was very disappointed in him, but I was so livid at the devil. I was so angry at the devil. I knew the devil wanted to tear our marriage apart in that moment and in the season following, and we just determined to face the enemy together. And um, we, I realized I had to grieve a lot of things. Um, there was lost time. There was lost conversations with our children that we could never get back. Um, I knew that Greg had been in some ways spiritually impotent, you know, through this season of just being in sin, repetitive sin, that was keeping him from growing spiritually. But after those first few months, and I, I didn't have very many many people I could talk to, sadly, because um, most people get uncomfortable if you start talking about your husband yeah. <laughs> in this way. Um, but I did find a few people that I could confide in, and, and God began to heal my heart. Uh, we had to kind of learn the new normal. Um, Greg had to watch me shed a lot of tears, and uh, I've been through grief. I I know what grief feels like, and it very much felt like the loss of a loved one even. It was that severe. It was strong. It would come over me in waves. I would start crying at the oddest things. 
Uh, but God really was healing my heart along the way. And, and it helped that Greg was very remorseful and repentant. I could see that he never wanted to go back to that place. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to help him in whatever way I could to keep growing and to stay, you know, to stay away from that. How would you say, how would you respond to that, Greg? How, how did the healing process begin for you? I mean, one is just shining light on it uh, by letting Ann in. I'm, I'm sure others were let in. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great point because the, the just the very act of confession of sort of bringing those things into the light that had been in the darkness. When I first shared with her, there was an unbelievable wave of relief, oh, just sure. a sense of a sense of freedom. And then I later shared with each of our three adult children, uh, shared with my small group that I had kept from them, you know, kept this from them for five or six years, they didn't know about this, you know, shared with my boss even. And with every, with every confession, there was just sort of another wave of freedom, which is, which is hard to explain. But if you've, if you've been in it, if you've been overwhelmed, if you've been drowning, and then all of a sudden you're, you're sort of drawn out of those deep waters, then it is just the most amazing sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. And I had a real sense the night of Greg's confession too, that God had kind of prepared me. I had I had gone through a study of the book of Ephesians and, um, you know, several things in there. I knew my identity in Christ was secure. I knew that nothing that Greg had ever done or would do would change that. I knew about sin and grace. I knew that my sin was just as bad as Greg's sin in God's eyes. I also knew that though this had been something in the dark for a long time, it was now being brought into the light, and I knew that God could begin to heal him there. And then I also knew that it was a huge spiritual battle, and— through my anti-trafficking work, I knew a good bit about porn addiction also. I knew it wasn't about me. I knew that Greg still desired me in the very same way he always had. I knew he was just looking to repeat pleasurable feelings that he had grown accustomed to in his brain. So God was gracious to both of us, you know, during this season. And actually, I confessed a few things to Greg that night, just areas, places I could go in my mind when I was running from God. Right. And even though, as Greg said, they might be more socially acceptable, I knew that to God, you know, sin is sin. So what were some helpful things? I mean, obviously this confession, uh, I am curious though, because I talk to uh, guys all the time and, um, you know, I, I think to your point, Greg, you had, this isn't like the first time you felt remorse over this. It's not like you were, uh, which is evidence of the Holy spirit in your life. The whole time I'm, I'm guessing that you're struggling with pornography. Um, you're feeling uh, a sense of conviction, um, but just no healing. I mean, so talk to me about that, and then how you've, I guess, kind of kept the bat, the, the 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 pedal down, uh, you know, on fighting this and not letting the the roots of this sin sprout up again. Yeah, it's it's neat because the actual the actual deliverance was. Uh, was totally God. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't a matter of being caught. Or... It wasn't a matter of being caught. But it also wasn't a matter of just deciding one day, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to just tough it out. I'm just going to refuse to look at porn. It it doesn't happen that way. There is such a there is such a. Uh, a You've force. probably tried that before. Oh yeah. 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 Hundreds of times. Uh, but this this was different. You know, I go back to I go back to the Book of Psalms to. Um, the uh, the eighteenth chapter, and in it David talks about, you know, he's he's talked about all of the difficulties that he's had. He's running from running from all these people who are after him, 
and then he says, he talks about his, his struggle. He's overwhelmed, he's drowning. And he says about God, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He brought me out into a spacious place. And that was that spacious place of freedom that God had shown to me. He said he rescued me because he delighted in me. Mm. Which was hard to, it really was hard to believe that he could delight in me. And at the same time, the great thing was that he rescued me, not because of anything that I had done. It was not about performance. It was, it was just about him delighting. Yeah, I think sometimes that's hard for us to even comprehend that God could still delight in us even as we are sinning. Yeah, it's how he demonstrates his love. Yeah. You knew that he did delight in you too because he had rescued you. There was evidence right. of God's delight in your life right. uh, also. You know, and then sort of moving on from there, the, the thing that gave me the greatest the greatest comfort and really the greatest strength was was the Word of God. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that that um, the only way that you're renewed, you know, the uh, Romans talks about do not be conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way that I that I know of to renew your mind is through the Word of God, just being totally immersed in it, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it. Because with with porn, as with any other addiction, when you take when you take the object of your addiction away, there's a hole, and that hole is going to be filled by something. And if it's, if it's filled by another, you know, some other type of addiction, that can happen. And if you leave that hole as a hole, it can be, get filled with porn again. But when you begin to fill it, you know, with God's Word, and that's what He impressed on me, know my Word, and then begin to know me. And so really taking, taking my Bible and reading it like I'd never read it before, all of a sudden seeing things, understanding things about who God was, not just the stories, but about who he was, was was truly amazing. And that has continues to revolutionize my life. Every single morning that I take his word and read it, I'm seeing new things. I'm seeing him over and over again. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, how would you, and, you know, probably... Most of the guys that uh, are introduced to porn, especially today, are introduced um, before they're probably going to listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, most of our audience is, is, is an adult. We don't have a lot of middle school listeners <laughs> to the Think Through It podcast. But how would you encourage men to avoid pornography, to not fall into this addiction, how would you encourage men and, and maybe women both that have fallen into this addiction? How, how do you start making the first step out that don't have uh, this awesome Ian Bounds moment where immediately they're delivered, but 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 desperately want to be delivered? You know, I think it comes. There's not a formula. I, I wish there were. If there were a formula, I'd I'd share it immediately. I would have been delivered sooner. But it's it's not the thing that we do. It comes from God. But I think it really starts in the little things, the the tiny little things that are seemingly innocuous, the the glance toward a woman, the sort of lingering, the second look, seeing a magazine that's that's not let's just say it's not a a porn magazine, but it, maybe it's a 
you know, maybe it's a Victoria's Secret catalog. Mm-hmm. It's not that's not porn, but in a way it is because it begins to You're using it recreationally in the same way that you Exactly. Yeah. Your mind starts to go places that it doesn't need to go. Those images begin to get locked into your mind and with every sort of pleasurable feeling you go back again and again and again and I would I would say to uh, to young men, to to boys, don't don't start, don't let that, don't crack the door open because when the when when the door is open just a little bit, all of a sudden the flood is going to come in. There's because of the chemicals that are released in your brain, there's almost no way to stop it. Right. Yeah. You, Sin doesn't sit still. Right. No. It always wants to move, um, and, and and maybe it can sit still for a good while, but it wants to move. And right. it probably eventually will. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be honest if I said that that I'm not tempted every single day. Sure, yeah. I mean there's you know, there there are times when I think, Wow, I just you know, I just would love that pleasurable feeling again and yet I can I can get it through other things, not through looking at porn, not through, you know, objectifying women. I I read a while back uh something that was that I try to remember every single day when I when I, I might be walking down the street and see an attractive woman and what I try to think of is that that's a daughter of the king mm, that's it my sister in Christ you know yeah yeah and then what would you say to men they found themselves in this addiction they listen to this uh, this story uh, what what's uh, I know there's not a formula but uh, any encouragement any exhortation uh, that you could give them you know I think one thing that that um, when I was in the middle of this, I felt like over and over again, there was just no hope. You know, I've tried to stop. I've done mm-hmm. everything I could possibly do. I've, you know, I've read books. I've prayed. I've uh, tried to do everything I could do, and I just felt like there is no hope. There's just this is never going to change. This is going to be my battle. This is it. Yeah. This is it, and it cannot be. This cannot be overcome. But but what I would say now is there is hope, you know, because we. You know, we serve a great God. There is a Redeemer who, who will take this as devastating as it as it is to your life, spiritually to your you know, to your family's life. He will take that and redeem it. And there is something great that can come out of it. Um, God will deliver. He always he always has throughout history. He has always rescued, and delivered, and redeemed. Um, you know, Anne had mentioned a little bit earlier about just the concept of shame, and I think that's that's one of the things that keeps that sort of keeps us in hiding. You know, we're uh, and I, I had told her, I told her over and over that um, this whole deal of looking at pornography it's it's just a very socially unacceptable thing. It's a it's a sin that you know you, it's almost better if you took drugs. People are, people are more accepting of you than if you're that guy who's mm-hmm. who's looking at porn, and so there is this, there is this overwhelming shame that you feel. You don't want to tell anybody because then they're going to think about you. You know the things they think about you are just, you know, you don't want anybody to know, and so the shame keeps you. It keeps it hidden. It keeps things in the dark all the time. And if you can begin to let God redeem what has been done to bring it into the light then all of a sudden even the story uh, hopefully is an encouragement to somebody else it's not it's not this this thing that cannot be overcome it it's not overcome by your own 
by your own strivings, but it is through God. How has this uh, part of y'all's story affected the ministry, encouraged the ministry, changed the ministry? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I did have an overwhelming sense of uh, the night of Greg's confession as I was about to launch True North that, well, now I can empathize you know, with other spouses who have gone through something like this. And I think if you haven't walked through recovery with someone, and, and I would say Greg and I have, we've walked through it together. There, Obviously, there are parts of it that I couldn't do for Greg, you know, that, that he had to do with God alone. But really, side by side, we have been there for each other. And it changes everything, you know, when you start to realize how hard recovery is and and it is often long and often there are setbacks and often there's even uh, relapse you know and slips we had to Greg had a couple of slips in that first year and I call them slips because really in the world's eyes they probably would have been very minor but I knew for him they were very potentially dangerous and so we agreed to keep short accounts and that has served us well Um, I've asked him to please just come to me if you know if you do slip come to me quickly and confess and then let's work through it and so uh, and then you know those times have led to tears but anyway yeah it has affected the ministry profoundly it has it has made me a very empathetic person I have so much grace and compassion for anyone who struggles with any sort of sexual sin or shame or wounding or anything like that because I just realizes I realize that it it goes deep, deep, deeply into the heart of a person. And it takes a great physician, you know, to heal that kind of hurt or to heal that kind of sin and to bring redemption out of it. We have a lot of people that turn to us now. We meet with couples often. Um, we, it's, it's just different. Uh, when, when you've been somewhere, when you've walked that road before, you know, you just have a whole different outlook on it. And so it's, it's been pretty powerful actually. You know, uh, this is just one of those areas uh, that um, I think two things. A, it has just ravaged the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has, you mentioned earlier, and it has made, I think, a lot of men, even pastors, fathers, church leaders, uh, spiritually impotent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has stolen away their spiritual power. Uh, it has stolen away their courage to be prophetic because they feel like they're hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think I think in so many ways it has damaged uh, the church and affected the church negatively. But it the, the tragedy of that is this is the gift, sex sexuality, that is, one of the most precious gifts mm-hmm. and most beautiful gifts that the Lord has given us. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's, it's so like Satan, I think, to go to the most precious place and pervert and twist that uh, to where it would become an incredibly damaging uh, place, a shameful place, a, a place of bondage, a place of pain, um, so yes, yeah, as, as y'all talk, these are just thoughts that are entering in my mind. I don't know any any comments uh, on that. Well, God is greater. Uh, I love that scene in 
the Chronicles of Narnia where Aslan is dead and the children are devastated and then he shows up and, and they're so surprised and he says the witch's magic was great but there is a magic that's greater still mm-hmm. and even though the enemy's power is great there is a power and a love that is greater still and uh, I just want to encourage people to step out in faith and um, take that next step whatever God might might lead you to do to confess to one more person find another person if the people you're confessing to aren't really helping you rise out of it find, find some other people you. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good greg anything to add yeah i think also um sort of what i'm experiencing now is that that sort of sanctification what i call restoring uh, you know god's word says that uh, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and I go back to that again and again, knowing that I'm, that I'm chosen, that he sees me as holy and blameless. He is restoring me to the man that he originally created me to be. Mm-hmm. So it's, there, there's a certain loss. You know, there's the, the years the locusts have eaten, but there is redemption and there's restoration and just and great hope. And actually the beauty of the gospel is that he's, re- he's restoring you to be a better man than mm-hmm. you could have been. Right. Uh, one of the things that we know about the power of the resurrection is that death is swallowed up in victory. Uh, and there's a sense within that that the victory is greater, the victory is bigger because of the death. You know, if you swallow something, what happens? You get bigger, right? And so as victory swallows death, it becomes a greater victory. And so this death, this shame, this, um, as, you, as you mentioned, just uh, the, these, the, what seems to be lost years, um, well, all of that because of the beauty of Christ. If it was left up to you, then yeah, they're lost, they're ruined, they're pointless. Um, but by the power of the gospel, even our sin, even our death, even our loss gets swallowed up. Uh, to create an even more beautiful victory. And uh, obviously you've experienced that, an intimacy with the Lord, as you just said. You can understand how deeply God loves you, that he would delight in you despite your sin. Uh, But I think the Lord in so many ways is going to use this and is using this story even now uh, to make his victory uh, all the greater, all the more beautiful, all the more right. Mm Well, guys, I really appreciate Greg, particularly you, coming in, uh, being vulnerable. These are hard things to share. Um, I'm so grateful for this ministry, Ann. It is so needed. Uh, I, as a pastor and as a Christian, I'm so discouraged, I think, with the lack of uh, conversation, the lack of honesty, uh, the lack of effort that I think our church is having in the face of this massively confused and broken sexually culture that we find ourselves in, in and outside of the church. So I'm so grateful for True North uh, that in the middle of this is going to raise the banner. Um, and I pray uh, ultimately bring glory to Jesus. Um, any closing thoughts you guys have? Anything you want to share about the ministry? I'd love for people to sign up on our website. We have a weekly blog post on various topics. We've just finished a series for parents, which is pretty amazing. And uh, we have an event coming up this October for On God's Good Design for Sexuality. And then we actually have an event for ministry leaders in August, kind of a free event. 
So you can find out more about those on our website. And that is truenorthfp.org. And Anne, you and I have more conversations to have that we'll be uh, releasing in coming weeks. But for Greg and Ann Kerr, I'm Jason Dees, encouraging you to think through it.